Well, good afternoon again, and I count it as a privilege to be back here again tonight. Thankfully, I was not assassinated during throughout the day, and uh, I didn't make church people too angry. No, I'm just kidding, but um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach, and I'm thankful for the opportunity that Brother Rice has given me uh, to uh, share the Word of God here, and uh, just very thankful. I keep praying for Brother Rice as he's out in South Carolina. Again, he's preaching a missions conference out there. I believe his last night is tonight. He'll be coming back tomorrow. But you keep praying for them and uh, that their services would go well and God would touch the hearts there at that missions conference. Brother Rice is doing a great work out there, and he's been preaching all weekend. And so you just keep him in prayer uh, um, and ask God to speak to his heart and to the heart of the people there at the missions conference. Uh, we had a great morning this morning, and uh, I can't wait to dive into the Word tonight. And uh, I have a different message. It starts out a little different. But tonight I want to talk about the subject of names. Names. You know, names are an interesting thing. Names are an identification. Names are uh, necessary. We understand people by their name. And uh, I want to tell you about a story really quickly about a man who had a good name, and it actually ended up saving his life. There was a man named Ikapul Chantawang, age 25. Ikapul Chantawang was a coach of the wild boars in Thailand. Some of you may have heard of this story since it actually happened pretty recently. In 2018, a group of 13 young boys from a soccer team went to a cave to explore one night. And these 13 boys, they went out and with their coach, their assistant coach, Ikapul Chantawang. The kids called him Ik, and we'll call him Ik for the sake of um, pronouncing his name right. But as the boys went out to this cave, the 12 boys and the one coach, they went deeper and deeper into the cave, and it was almost monsoon season, which means heavy rains constantly. They had traveled in about 2.5 miles into the cave when rain started to fall down. The rain had built up in the cave so much to the point where they got trapped inside of the cave of almost three miles in. Ikapul was sitting there and taught the kids and was uh, very uh, helpful to the kids as they stayed in the cave trapped. The first time anyone found the kids and the boys and the coach in the cave was 10 days in. They were trapped inside of a cave in complete darkness for 10 entire days until one English diver could reach far enough into the cave to find them. They have a video of this recording. It's quite a remarkable story. If you look it up, look up the 13 lives that were saved from Thailand. These 13 boys, they were sitting in there, cold, it was dark, it was scary. And the first time they ever got found was, was 10 days into this ambition. They, they had Navy SEALs in Thailand that even they couldn't dive far, far enough to get to the boys. The diving conditions were so bad and so difficult for even the Navy SEALs of Thailand. So what they ended up doing is hiring people from, from England who do cave diving as a hobby job. They did cave diving as a, as a hobby, yet they were the professionals, and they flew them out 
and they were able to get far enough to find these boys. Now, they actually, at the end of the story, they end up saving all 13 of them. And it's a long story, and you should look up this story because it's quite, quite remarkable. I love hearing about this, but I started to think about Eek, the coach. What they ended up doing is they actually ended up sedating the children and putting them underwater for over two and a half hours. They would dive them out of this cave. It took over 18 days, or roughly 18 days, to get all the boys out of the cave. It was 10 days in, they found them, and it wasn't until the 15th, 16th day where they started getting them out. That was a long time to spend in a cave and a long time to spend in that scary, dark place. The boys were incredibly strong, but I started thinking about that coach. Now, if you think about it, that coach, he brought them to the cave in the first place. Really, he was the adult in this situation. He was 25 years old. All the kids were no... no uh, how do you say no long age group? What am I trying to say here? They were not above 16. They were below 16 years old, except for the coach, which was 25 years old. The coach had led them out to the cave in the first place to go exploring. Now, if you take that and you put that to anybody's name, you'd probably blame the coach for getting your child into that situation. You would probably blame, your, blame that coach very harshly and say to him, you're, you're the reason my child almost died. Anybody agree with that statement that I would probably be pretty upset with the coach at that point because essentially that was his fault. He led them there. But the thing about Eek is he never actually did go to jail. In fact, the parents praised him and worshipped him because of his protection throughout the cave and how he encouraged the children and kept them calm during the situation. And though, yes, he led them there, it was actually his name that protected him. You see, the parents had knew about Eek and, and how good of a coach he was and how much he loved the children. And what Eek did was built, he built a fantastic name for himself. He built a fantastic name for himself. And so you think about this coach, what he did is he had a great testimony with those parents. And so when he came out of that cave, he apologized sincerely, and he said, parents, I'm so sorry. And he begged for forgiveness over and over again. But the parents were more than willing to forgive. And it was reported that nearly every single parent told Eek themselves, don't worry about our child. You did everything you could, and we love you. It's pretty incredible, but that doesn't happen by accident. He didn't build a great name by, by accident. No, and in fact, it made me think of this verse, and really, this is just an introduction to the message, but in Proverbs, it says, a great name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And in this case scenario, I just saw this verse come to life. Because you could watch Eek, and you can say, man, no money is going to make up for the lack of character he had. And church, today, no money, no amount of money, no great riches, no matter, no matter how many things you have, can make up for a lack of character. A great name is rather to be chosen than great riches. I thought, how, how wonderful 
it is to, to build up a great name. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 4? I say that all in introduction to names are important. Names are very important. If Eek did not build up a great name for himself, he, is most, he would most likely be in jail, if not worse. And he built up a great name for himself. Would you turn to Acts chapter 4? In Acts chapter 4, Pentecost had just come, and the disciples are going out, and they're preaching the name of Jesus. And they're going around and preaching to to everyone and anyone, and thousands are getting saved daily. But I want you to notice our first name tonight. In Acts chapter 4, this is what it says. And as they speak to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now even eventide, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them of the men was about 5,000. And here we go, uh, verse 5, it says, And it came to pass on the morrow that there were rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Sophias uh, and John, and Alexander, and as many were in the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had sent them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the important men, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to the all people of Israel by the, by, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Let's pray really quick. Lord, I thank you for your word, God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts, speak to my heart tonight. God, as we look at this interesting topic of names, God, the different names in the Bible, God, how you so clearly lay out your name. God, I pray that you would bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. The first name I want you to notice tonight is the name of the Savior. The name of the Savior. You see, Peter and John, they come out, and they're, and they're preaching to the people, and they say, hey, by the way, there is no other name that is under heaven that we're, whereby we must be saved. What is Peter and John saying? The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. You have to know the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whereby we must be saved. You see, there is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to heaven than the Lord Jesus Christ. And some people trust in their works, and some people trust in the things they say or do or pray. But Peter and John come and say, in verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
in John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, But as many received him, to him gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his, what church? His name. You see, there is a name we must know in order to be saved, and that name of the Savior is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the, when we ask what is the name of the Savior, it's Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Savior, and you must know the name of the Lord. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you, that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye believe on the name of the Son of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus is his name, and that shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Skip down to verse 13, and it says, For whosoever shall call upon the what? The name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you so glad that you know the name of the Savior? Aren't you so glad that we know, as a church, the name of the Savior? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, if you know the name of the Savior, do the people around you know? Do, does the workforce around you know the name of Jesus? Do we realize that, yes, there's a lot of people who have heard the name of Jesus, but do they know the name of Jesus? I'm talking about, do they know your God? Do they know them? They may have heard of him. They may have heard of Jesus before. And they might have heard a misconception of what Jesus was like. But do they know the name of the Savior? Aren't you so glad that we know the name of the Savior? The other thing I want to look at tonight is the name of the servant. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we went here to this portion of Scripture a couple times this morning. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Christian, it's our job to spread the name of the Savior. But now we're looking at the name of the servant. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But it made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Aren't you so glad that Jesus comes, and we didn't deserve it, but Jesus came and he became a servant? I mean, how humbling it was that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Savior, the name of the Savior is the same name of the servant. The servant is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he shows us the greatest examples of servitude. He gets down on his hands and knees, and he washes his disciples' feet, and people abuse him, and people make fun of him. People plucked his beard and mocked him and scorned him, but he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And if that didn't happen, then we wouldn't have the name of the Savior. 
If he never was, if that wasn't the name of the servant, then it would never be the name of the Savior because without his death on the cross, we could not be saved. And without his name, the Lord Jesus Christ, you could not be saved. We have the name of the Savior and we have the name of the servant. But look at verse Verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and do his, of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know, what the Bible's saying here in Philippians chapter 2 is, yeah, Christ was a servant, but you should be too. Christ was the best servant. Christ showed the ultimate servitude. He was the greatest servant. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you now. Let this mind be in you. You see, you know the name of the Savior, and you know the name of the servant. But are you a servant? Are you a servant of the Lord? Are you a servant of the church? Are you a servant in your home? Are you a servant in the workforce? Could you be labeled as servant? And the Bible says, do all things without murmuring and disputings. Why does it say that? Look at verse 15 that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You see, you know the name of a servant, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have the greatest example to follow of a servant. And the lost world needs to see you do all things without murmuring and disputings because your name is a testimony. And your workforce, your school, your, the people that you influence need to see that there's a light inside of you, that there's something different about you, that you are a servant, that you are a servant. Because it's, a, it's one thing to know the name of the servant, but it's another thing to be a servant. It's a whole other thing to be a servant. And the Bible says, do all things, do all things without murmuring and disputings. Why? That you may be blameless because you are a light in this world, and your testimony and your name matters. And somebody who's lost needs to see you respond differently than the world does every time a trial or heartache or a bad time comes in your life. The lost world needs to see servants of God. The lost world needs to see servants. You know the name of the Savior, and you know the name of a servant, and you know the name of a sovereign one. Look at Philippians chapter 2 again. Verse 5. Verse 7. Philippians 2, 7. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Then it says in verse 8, and being... Um, Sorry, in verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of the things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to glory of God the Father. I don't know if you read that. When I read that, I get excited because you know why? I know the name of the Sovereign One. I know the name of the person who's in control now, yesterday, and forever. I know the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is sovereign, and he is in control. 
and he still sits on the throne, and he says, every knee shall bow. Church, every politician will bow, every president will bow, every single person that you never liked will bow, every family, every child, every parent will bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Man, you know the name of the sovereign one. You know the name of the one who is in control. You know his name. Every knee shall bow. How, what a powerful name Jesus Christ has. There is power just in the name of Jesus. Can you see a repeating theme here? The name of the Savior is Lord Jesus Christ. The name of the servant is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the name of the sovereign one is the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad you know the name of all of those? Aren't you glad that you know the name of all of those? So Jesus Christ sits on the throne, but the question is, you see, he's, he's on the throne and he is in control. And one day he's going to come back and he's going to rule. But right now, but right now, is God on the throne of your heart? Is God on the throne of your decisions? Is God in, in control of your heart? You see, we sit here in church and we say, yes, we know the sovereign one and we know that he's in control of the world and all the wicked people and all the wicked things that everyone does, God's going to take care of and, and he's going to judge them and, and we'll be safe. And, but is God in control of your heart right now? You see, is God the sovereign one of your heart? Is God the sovereign one of your heart? You know the name of the sovereign one. But is it in control of your life right now? Not one day, not, not the world, but yourself, your heart. Is God on the throne of your heart? Christians, are you filled with anxieties of what the world is today? Do you stress often about the unknown, and do you realize that you know the name of the Sovereign One? Do you realize that you know the name of the Sovereign One? Next, I want to look at a, a different name. We learned about the name of the Savior, the Servant, and the Sovereign One. But now I want to look at the name of the sinner. The name of the sinner. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Starting in verse 11. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 11, says this. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast governor, the was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with the that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders 
persuaded in the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather that the tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. You see, this is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. But we look at this passage, and could you figure out who the name of the sinner was? Barabbas. And you know the story, but Pilate stands before his people, and he says, all right, well, we know it's, a, it's, a, it's the holy day, and so we're going to release a prisoner unto you. What prisoner do you want? And they all say, I want, we want Barabbas. I want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. That's what, and Pilate says, why? I don't understand. Look at, what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done? They said, no, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Pilate goes back and forth with the crowd, and the crowd gets louder and louder and louder about Jesus saying, crucify him. Let Jesus be crucified. Give us Barabbas. And you watch as Barabbas gets unlocked from his chains and he walks free from the crowd. By the way, there's no record or account of Barabbas ever turning back to Jesus and saying, thank you, Lord. There's no account. There's no account of Barabbas ever turning back to Jesus saying, thank you, Lord. But here Barabbas goes free, which, by the way, he was a rightful prisoner. He was a murderer and a crook. He was an evil man. He was guilty of the things he had done. What had Jesus done but love? What had Jesus done but, but good things, a just man? And here Barabbas, set, he goes free, and he starts walking away. There's no count of him turning around and saying, Thank you, Lord, you've saved me. You see, we read this scripture and we say, Well, it was the crowd that set him free. But no, it was not the crowd that set him free. It was the love of a heavenly father. It was the love of a heavenly father that set Barabbas free that day. You see, Jesus had to, God had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that Barabbas could be treated like Jesus. And you read the story a couple times and you start to realize that maybe the name of the sinner, it's not Barabbas, it's you. You see, the name of the sinner, it's not just Barabbas, it's us. We are rightful prisoners, we are rightfully wrong, and we, are, we, are, we deserve the punishment, we deserve the guilt, we deserve the shame, and yet Jesus comes and steps in our place. He comes and he sets in our place and he says, let me have your shame. Let me have your guilt. Let me have your pain. I'll take it from you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for Barabbas too. And though there's no account of Barabbas ever turning back to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
In fact, Barabbas knew the name. There's no count of him turning back. But Jesus says, I, I love him. Jesus says, I love him too. I love him. I love you, Barabbas. And the reason why Barabbas went free that day was not because of the roar of the crowd. It was because of love of a heavenly father. It was because of love of a heavenly father. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like looking at the story of Barabbas. And if you could look in that story right there, and I didn't cross out the name Barabbas, but I put my name right next to his. Because every time I read this story, I realize the name of the sinner isn't just Barabbas, it's me. Because I was a rightful prisoner, and I was rightfully wrong. I did wrong before the Lord Jesus Christ, and I deserve punishment, and I deserve guilt, and I deserve shame. Yet Jesus comes and sets me free. The name of a sinner. We know that the name of the Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the name of the servant is the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the name of the sovereign one is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know the name of the sinner is us. But lastly, I want to look at the name of a son. The name of a son. Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 12. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says this, and we've already read this verse, but I want you to see it. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many received him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Servant, and the Sovereign One, to as many received him, this is a promise, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Because of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he names me his son. And I'm so glad that our story doesn't end with just Barabbas being set free and just the name of the sinner. No, the name of the sinner gets turned into the name of the son. You see, you can be the name of the sinner, but you can also be the name of the son. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I'm now a son. I was once bound, but now I'm free. I once am shattered, but now I'm saved. And I once was a sinner, but now I'm a son. You see, I was once a prisoner, but now I'm a son. You see, the Savior came to be a servant, and he's sovereign, and he changes the sinner into a son. He changes the sinner into his son. That verse says, but as many received him, to them he gave you power to become the sons of God. In 1 John 5, chapter 5 and verse 13, uh, verse 13, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Aren't you so glad for the love of Jesus Christ in our lives? That he comes to Barabbas, he comes to us, the sinner, and he can, he's able to call us son. Aren't you so glad today that you are able to be called 
the Son of God. Aren't you so glad for the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know the name. You know the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because you know that name, and because if you, if you have called upon that name, then you go from sinner to son. You go a slave to sin to son. God calls you his son. Aren't you glad for that? And so, lastly, I want to look at one thing here. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. We're talking on the subject of names. And there's this book that the Lamb, that, that, the, that Revelation talks about. There's a certain book that has names in it and, has, and doesn't have other names. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 22. Starting in verse 22, it says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut all by the day, for there shall be no night there. And, there sh and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they, that are, uh, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, if your name is not in this Lamb's Book of Life, then you're in trouble. This is a pretty clear description of what heaven would be like. And the only ones that get to go there are the ones who have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you're, if you're here today, and you're still Barabbas, the sinner, and not son, then your name's not in there. You see, the Bible is talking about people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It talks about the people who have overcome. And we understand from 1 John chapter 5, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Are you in the Lamb's book of life? Are you in the Lamb's book of life tonight? Have you called upon the name of the Lord, the name of the Savior? Have you have you, um, is God in control of your life, of your heart, the name of the Sovereign One? Are you a servant? And do you realize that the name of the sinner can be turned into the name of the Son? Because Jesus Christ, the name of the Savior, came to change the name of the sinner into Son. Ultimately, I love the name of Jesus Christ. I love the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you would sing with me as I sing this song, 
many of you know it, but there's a song that says, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Aren't you so glad that you know the name of Jesus? Aren't you so glad tonight in this church that you hear the word of God and you know the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know the way, the truth, and the life. You know the sovereign one. You know the servant. And you know, you know the savior. And you know who the sinner is. But you also know who the son is. Aren't you so glad that God is able to call you a son? Aren't you so glad for the love of Jesus? There's just something about that name. There's just something about that name. Names are important. Names are important. There's something mighty powerful about the name of Jesus Christ. Let's close. Lord, I love you. God, I thank you for your name. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that uh, we would keep your name in uh, just absolute reverence, God, and just worship you for your holy name, God. God, there's so many things about, in the Bible about your name. So, Lord, I pray we take the time to learn it. God, I'm so thankful that, Lord, the name of the Savior and the name of the Servant and the name of the Sovereign One are all one person. It's you, Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. And we thank you so much for your word and this time together now. I pray move in this invitation, God. And I pray that we would just give you the reverence and the respect and the awe that you deserve. God, I pray this in your precious, beautiful name, Jesus' name. Amen. If we would stand to our feet as the piano begins to play. If you'd like to talk to God in your heart and the altar there, and the altar's open. Whatever the need, whatever God has done in your heart, the altar's open tonight. Aren't you so glad that you know the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? How lost we would be without it. What a powerful name.